0: David and worship. Let's talk about worship because life giver is coming out today. David was a man after God's own heart. Okay, we, we see that in scripture. He was a mighty warrior. He defeats Goliath. He was appointed by Samuel to be the king. No, he was a noble king and then he failed. He, he, had a, he had an affair and he became from king to sinful adulterer. And then he comes back and he's honored at the end of his life. For turning things around and worshiping the Lord, uh, David's life is characterized by worship. Now, follow me. David experienced everything. He had triumphant victory, and he had crushing defeats. He had gains, and he had losses. He was beloved by people, and then he was hiding in a cave when the whole country wanted to kill him. He was happy and worshipful, and he was miserable and depressed yet one thing was consistent in the life of David worship worship he wrote more worship songs than anyone in scripture he taught more about worship than anyone in the Bible, when you want to craft a theology of worship, you study David because David was the one person over and over and over and over again who was who was not only writing worship, but he was living by worship to keep himself alive. I told you I was going to read uh, one of his worship songs and it's just too long, and I've burned up too much time. First Chronicles sixteen seven through 36. Dare I even skim it? Yeah, are you in? Are you in? You want to hear a little bit of it? Are you with me? Or did I just mess you all up by going nuts on no threat to the gospel? Are you with me? Let's just read this worship song. It's too good. Listen, when David's at the pinnacle of his life, he's he's at the top. He's brought the ark back to Israel. His, His nation has rallied with him. Saul is dead. He is the king, he's in the castle, he is the man. Everyone is celebrating him. And as the ark arrives, listen to what he says. Oh, that day, David, on that day, David gave to Asaph and his fellow Levites this song. David wrote this song and he gave it to them. Remember, we talked about worship being monuments. Worship being a testimony of what God did. He said he gave him this song of thanksgiving to the Lord. Put yourself in these shoes. You have fought battle after battle. We've done all the seasons of the journey of the nation of Israel up to this point where you've finally risen to prominence again. And what does he say? Give thanks to the Lord and proclaim his greatness. No threats to him. Let the whole world know what he has done. Sing to him, yes, sing his praises. Tell everyone about his wonderful deeds. Exalt him in his holy name. Rejoice, you who worship the Lord. Search for the Lord and for his strength. Continually Seek him. Remember the wonders he has performed, his miracles and the rulings he has given. You children of his servant Israel, you descendants of Jacob, his chosen ones. Do you hear how he writes? He writes in not just a way that everything rhymes and music matches it. He's writing a song of testimony. He is the Lord our God as justice is seen throughout the land. Remember his covenant forever. The commitment he made to a thousand generations. This is the covenant he made with Abraham and the oath he swore to Isaac. He confirmed it to Jacob as a decree and to the people of Israel as a never-ending covenant. I will give you the land of Canaan as your special possession. He said this when you were few in number. A tiny group of strangers in Canaan. They wandered from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another. Yet he did not let anyone oppose them. He warned. Do you see that? No threat. He can decide who opposes you and who doesn't. He didn't let anyone oppose them. He warned kings on their behalf. Do not touch my chosen people and do not hurt my prophets. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Each day proclaim the good news that he saves. What do we have? We have good news that he saves. Are you thankful that we have good news that God saves? You've come in here lost today, he saves. You've come in here wondering today, he saves. Our God saves. Proclaim it daily. Publish his glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone about the amazing things he does. That's what we're doing today at 12 o'clock. We're telling everyone. We're publishing his glorious deeds. We're telling everyone the amazing things that God does. He is to be feared above all gods. The gods of other nations are mere idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Verse 27, honor and majesty surround him. Strength and joy fill His dwelling. O nation of the world, recognize the Lord. Recognize that the Lord is glorious and strong. Give to the Lord the glory He deserves. Bring your offering and come into His presence. Worship the Lord in all His holy splendor. Let all the earth tremble before Him. The world stands firm and cannot be shaken. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Tell all the nations the Lord reigns. Let the sea and everything in them shout his praise let the fields and their crops burst out with joy i love that he doesn't limit it to people he says every living thing on planet earth praise the lord let the trees of the forest sing for joy before the lord for he is coming to judge the earth give thanks to the lord for he is good His faithful love endures forever. Cry out, save us, O God of our salvation. Gather and rescue us from among the nations so we can thank your holy name and rejoice and praise you. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who lives from everlasting to everlasting. And all the people shouted, Amen. "Amen," And praised the Lord. This is how they, you, you see that language, right? It's not just a song, it's a testimony, and it's how they reminded themselves of who God was and what God had done among them and how they prepared themselves for the future ministry that God wanted them to do. Their worship spoke to them, and it prepared them. Time for me to humiliate myself, okay? Uh, I asked a group of our production team, and they were all like, man, none of us have done that. Okay, uh, I was in the seventh grade, and I liked this girl. In fact, we, we started going out. That's what we called it. Isn't that the stupidest thing in the world? We had no cars, no money, but we were going out, right? Better than my grandma. My grandma used to say, going steady. (laughs) Going steady. Mm, Steady. And so uh, we were going out, me and this girl, and then all of a sudden, um, she wrote me a note, and she gave me the note and asked me to read it after school. So I got home, and I remember I was so excited, and I undid the note, and I read the note, and she told me she didn't want to go out with me anymore. Like it was over, and I was crushed. I was so upset. I was so hurt. I was so lost and bewildered. And my best friend at the time, uh, he lived with me, and we shared bunk beds uh, in my bedroom, and and he was going through the same thing. He had this girl that he liked, and she didn't like him, and he was upset, and we were just two sappy seventh-grade boys that didn't have the girl of our dreams, and our lives were over, right? So here's what we did. No, this is so corny. We used to—I had this, this, uh, this. Um, what do you call it? alarm clock? And it had a radio on it. And we used to say, "All right, listen, man. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna turn on the radio, and when we turn the radio on, the song that comes on is how she feels right now." <laughs> Come on, act like you haven't done that. Like this is it. This is it. Man, I know she don't want to be with me anymore. But here, here is. Are you ready? And he'd be like, Dude, I'm ready. Just give, give me a second to process, man. <laughs> like, okay, we're ready. All right, play the radio and let's hear the song. And then we go. So that happens in what? It's over, right? You press play, you're wondering what she's thinking. Boys to men hits. It's finished, man. It's like, dang it! So here's what we would do <laughs> we'd be like, okay, something was wrong. We were early there. We were early. It's not that one, it's the next one. What does the next one say? But if you can find a reason this not Like, dude, there's a chance. There's a chance. We'd roll into school and be like, I know it may be over, but if you give me a chance, believe it, I can change. Like, we, would, we had it, man. We were ready. And, and what, it was so cheesy. But what did we do? We allowed music to speak to our emotions. We allowed music to speak to our. Act like when you got dumped, you didn't have Taylor Swift on repeat act like it you're lying if you say you didn't but what do we what do we do We allow music to speak to us, and that is exactly, hear me, don't miss the point, that's exactly what we do with worship. We allow worship to speak to us and to speak through us. What was the whole message of David? He's saying, listen, allow this to speak to your soul. You're feeling down, allow this to speak to your soul. You're feeling hurt, allow it to speak to your soul. Let the worship speak to your soul soul and it speaks in three ways and in 10 minutes I'm going to give you all three speaks to you in a heart expression it speaks to you and it speaks through you we're talking about worship right now we're building a theology of worship how does it speak to me and how does it speak through me number one it speaks through a heart expression number two it speaks through a physical expression and number three, it speaks through a spirit expression. Put another way, and this may sound familiar the heart is often translated "mind." They, they go one and the same is mind-body spirit speaks to my mind or my heart, speaks to my body physically, speaks to my spirit through my spirit. Another real interesting, if you go back Matthew chapter 4 and you look at the temptations of Jesus, you can see where at every single temptation, the devil tempted him to give up worship, right? If we talk about heart expression, lust of the eyes, I'll give you these kingdoms if you'll bow down and worship me. What's in your heart? Do you want the world more than you want me? If we talk about physical expression, lust of the flesh, he said, I, I know you're hungry. If you're God, turn these stones into bread. Let's see if you can satisfy yourself physically. How about spirit expression? He says in the pride of life, bow down and worship me. And what? How does Jesus close all of this out? He says, you must worship the Lord your God only and serve only him. God wants your worship. He longs for your worship. And if you won't worship in what the scriptures say, he'll make the rocks cry out in worship of him because he's going to get his. He's going to get his no matter how you feel. But what it will do for you is it will transform your heart, it will transform your body, and it will transform your spirit. Let me walk you through all three. Let's start with heart expression. Remember, we're using David as the framework. 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. This is when Samuel is searching for a king, and Saul has been rejected, and David is appointed king. It says, but the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart, Acts 13.22 summarizes for us, God himself does, of what he saw in David. It says, After removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to. To do, When David had sinned with Bathsheba and he went back to repent unto the Lord and to, re, to reconcile with the Lord. Listen to what he says, Psalm 51, 16 through 17. You do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. Remember, they're still under the law. Yet what's more important than the law at that time is still more important than the law today. He says, you do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O oh God, is a broken Spirit, a broken and contrite heart, heart you, God, will not despise. And he's saying, a broken heart is ready to worship. A heart that breaks over sin, a heart that breaks over temptation, a heart that breaks over these things is a heart that's ready to worship. Listen to Psalm 44. It's within the context of the heart. David gives us his perspective on the heart of worship. Psalm 44, verse 8. He lets us know what they're doing. It says, oh God, we give glory to you all day long and constantly praise your name. Okay, we get it. Psalm 44.8, what are they doing? They're giving glory to God all day long, and they're constantly worshiping him. Yet what happens if you run through the rest of it? He tells you things are going miserably. So God, we're worshiping you constantly. We're constantly lifting up your name. And now everyone wants to kill me. I'm hiding in caves. I'm not in the sanctuary. I'm not in the, in the castle. My life is a disaster. Yet I'm worshiping you. And look at Psalm 44:17. 17. He says, all this has happened. The mess that I was just describing to you. Though we have not forgotten you. We have not violated your covenant. Our hearts have not deserted you. He's saying we have kept our heart of worship this whole time. We have not strayed from your your path, yet you have crushed us in the jackal's desert. You have covered us with darkness and death. If we had forgotten the name of our God or spread our hands in prayer to foreign gods, that's a form of worship. God would have surely known it, for he knows the secrets of every heart. David in Psalm 44 is saying, I haven't stopped worshiping you. My life is miserable right now, and I mean miserable, and it is darkness that is surrounding me, but rest assured, my heart has not stopped worshiping you. You can't control what happens to you, but you can control what it does to you right here. And a heart that is deeply engaged in worship is ready to endure hardship. A heart that is Deeply engaged in worship is prepared and ready to endure hardship. Let me illustrate it for you. Uh, in Kansas City, where I grew up, they downtown Kansas City, they would take these uh, giant abandoned. Buildings, these like 30 and 40 story buildings. They would turn them into haunted houses. Okay. They had like the edge of hell, the beast, and all of these, these crazy things. And I mean, they were terrifying. You would get lost in these things for up to two hours. There were mazes, there were clowns, there were chainsaws. They had one that had like snakes in glass cases on the floor, and you had to walk over the snake. I mean, it was terrifying what they were. And I hated them, but my friends always liked to go to them. So we would always go and I'd just, be, you know, let the girls go first. And it was just, it was, it was horrible, right? It was terrible for me until one of our friends, his older brother Calvin, started working for him. And we were talking to him. We were like, man, how do you guys do it? Like, how does this all work? And he said something that we, we all, it just changed the whole thing for us. He said, here's what you need to know. Our job is to scare you to death. And our one rule is we can't touch you he said that's assault <laughs> we cannot touch you against your will so he said you just i mean we're going to do everything we can to scare you everything we can to terrify you but but the rule is we can do everything but touch you that is a heart that is nestled into worship the world can do everything it can to capture you but it cannot touch your heart that's what david is saying David is saying, Lord, my life is a wreck, but my heart is surrendered in praise. And I know when it's surrendered in praise, I'm right where I need to be. That's the heart expression of worship. That when I'm worshiping, God is protecting my heart. He is renewing my heart. He's rebuilding my heart. And then we move to the physical expression. Goodness, this is so Important. 2 Samuel 6, 12-15, again, here's David. It says, Now King David was told, The Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city David, of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps He sacrificed a bull and a fatted calf. Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. Everything he had, he was dancing in worship. While he and all of Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sounds of trumpets. While his wife, Michelle, didn't approve. She's like, yeah, I'm not into it. Don't like your worship. I'm not a fan of your worship. In 2 Samuel 6, through 23, listen to David. He says, And I will become even more undignified than this woman. You think that's mild? Wait till you see me really get in the spirit. And I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But by the eyes of these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. And Michelle and, and Michelle, daughter of Saul had no children to the day of her death. Isn't it interesting? The one who was willing to express worship was exalted to king, and the one who was willing to withhold worship lived under a curse. Let me, let me read to you real quick of Paul. Paul talks about the body. We have to wrap our minds around physical expression of worship. Listen to what Paul says. You realize this, right? We are not just stagnant spirits. We are spirits inside of a body. What you do matters. i wrong. What you do matters. How you express matters. What you touch, how you express, how you, how you allow your physical body to behave matters. We're not just stagnant spirits, but we're a body. Paul says, 1 Corinthians 6.20, you were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your what? Bodies. You want the Greek on that? You're physical. Don't just pray. and praying in my head. My son says that to me all the time said so you're acting up you need to ask the lord for forgiveness and I'm doing it in my head no i need i need to see it i need you to express it romans 12:1 says therefore i urge you brothers and sisters in view of god's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to god this is your true and proper worship again philippians 1:20 said i eagerly expect and hope that in no way be that i will in no way be ashamed but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my what? My body. That you will see it. That I will express it. Whether by life or by death. Both the most translated Hebrew and Greek words for worship have to do with physical expression. Why did Mordecai almost get killed? Because he would not worship Haman. What was the signal of worship? It's right here. What does Anna want me to do every time I enter the home? This right here. Right? <laughs> like there was there was a physical element to express your worship when a king entered a room you bowed and worship when Jesus enters a room you worship and we should see something of physical expression with it oh my goodness okay i have got an absolute ton of verses for what... Okay, I'll just read them. You know what? We're talking about worship. Might as well. Let me give you some examples from Scripture of what physical expression meant in worship. I want you to pay attention if you are an expressive worshiper, and I want you to pay attention if there's a hesitancy for you to express your worship for God. You look around this place, and you're kind of like, not me. Not mine. Not my cup of tea. Let the young ones have their fun. Let me read. Lifting hands was a praise. We know that. Psalm 63, 4. David says, I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will what? Lift up my hands. Lifting hands caused a response from God, Exodus 9, 29-30. All right, Moses replied, as soon as I leave the city, I will lift my hands and pray to the Lord. Then the thunder and hail will stop, and you will know that the earth belongs to the Lord. It was symbolic of submission, 1 Timothy 2.8 in every place of worship. Gosh, I love this. I want men to pray with holy hands lifted up to God, free from anger and controversy. It was a response to God. Nehemiah 8.6, Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, amen and amen. It was also a posture of mourning. It's good. It's not always, man, God's great. God's good. This is wonderful. Sometimes it's, I need your help. I need your help right now. Help me right now. Meet me right now. Psalm 88, 9. My eyes are blinded by my tears. Each day I beg for your help, O oh God. I lift my hands to you for mercy. It was a blessing to God. Psalm 134.2 says, Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. It was a sign of being under God's care. I love this one. Psalm 95.6-7. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For He is our God and we are the people of His pasture, the flock under His care. Two things really quick. First, if you are thinking to yourself... That expressing worship is feminine, it's for the artsy-fartsy guys, and it's not for me. It's for all the beta boys, and I'm a tough guy, and everything else. Let me tell you something. The baddest dude walking the face of the planet in the Old Testament during this era was David. You remember the song, right? David killed his... Saul killed his thousands. David killed his tens of thousands. David was a savage. David was a man amongst boys. David killed Goliath. David was the only one in an entire army of men willing to say, I don't need armor and I don't need a sword and I'm taking this cat's head off because I am of the Lord. And yet, who is the first one to talk about expressing worship to the Lord? David. What does that mean? That means strong men know how to worship. Strong men know where their strength comes from. You you know where your strength comes from. It's not, oh, i got this figured out. It's, Lord, help me. Lord, strengthen me. Lord, I'm in the posture of submission before you. Lord, meet me. Here, it's also training your flesh. You're training your flesh. It's the same concept as fasting. Why do we fast? To starve our flesh, to bring it into submission of our spirit. Why do we physically express worship? To bring our body under submission to the Lord. It's not about me. It's about you. It's not all about me. It's about you. And I will express my worship to you. And I'll become even more undignified than this when I worship you. I'll be a man and worship you. I'll be a woman and worship you. I will meet the call and worship the Lord. And I will express it with my physical body. I, was, I did a wedding one time for a couple. who Their first kiss was on their wedding day right no they weren't amish yes one of them was homeschooled beside the point right okay <laughs> hey, and and i'm telling you the whole place was packed there were so many people there and they were so excited and let me tell you something they were not excited for my eloquent wedding ceremony they weren't excited for the reception afterwards they weren't excited for the five course meal being served they were all there to see what the kiss Everyone, they're there. Why? Because there's something about that expressed physical intimacy that just, it just, it it speaks of love. It ministers to our soul. There's something about, you don't marry someone and never touch them. Maybe you do, but you don't have a good marriage. promise you that. It's not going to work out. There is physical expression that ministers to us and ministers to us through us. I will tell you, there is a difference of when I'm just worshiping the Lord like this and like this, and when I am fully submitted to the Lord in worship. There's a difference happening to me, and there's a difference happening through me. You would not believe the amount of people that have come into this place and said, man, seeing people worship drew me in. There was something captivating about being in an environment where people loved Jesus enough and cared about their relationship with God enough to bless the Lord, to show submission to the Lord, to lift up holy hands to the Lord, to declare praises unto the Lord. Physical expression is so important in worship. But but make no mistake about it, right? Because the man who had the most physical expression in worship in David also had the most right heart before God. All this means nothing if this is off. Right? All this means nothing if this is not where it's supposed to be. The heart was right. The physical expression was right. And all right, we're going to land right here. Spirit expression. 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, it says, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him. This is post being king. Because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons And daughters, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. How do you think he strengthened himself? He started writing the Psalms, track the timeline of the Psalms. He starts producing massive amounts of psalms of worship from this point on. He's writing about being trapped in a cave and yet worshiping the Lord. He's writing about being in the stronghold and worshiping the Lord. He's writing about finding his refuge in the Lord. How did he strengthen himself? He strengthened himself through worship. Let's end with Psalm 63. I'll give you the context to it. 2 Samuel 16-17 through 17 prepares the context. David was king. His son, Absalom, went nuts and, and revolted and led a revolt underneath him. Stole the kingdom from him. Bad vibes, 2018, Absalom's spirit. You had to be a veteran to remember that stuff. Uh, there's this Absalom spirit that takes over the kingdom, and David has ran out once again hiding in the wilderness, and he's hiding about to be killed. He has retreated to a desert in Mahanaim. He's cut off from the palace. He's out of the sanctuary. He's thirsty. He's hungry, and he's trapped, and he writes Psalm 63, 1 through 11. Listen to the spirit of this man. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Those who want to kill me will be destroyed. There's no threat to what God wants to do. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. I love it. He says, I may not be in the palace, but I'm still a king in your sight. I'm the one you've called. I'm the one you've anointed. I'm the one you've brought to leadership. And they may have ran me out, but they can't stop what you're doing. All who swear by God will glory in him with the mouth of liars Will be silenced. There is a spirit that comes alive in worship. The uh, 2021 Super Bowl featured the Kansas City Chiefs, one, one fan who's a little ashamed because we're having a rough season right now, but stay strong, brother, they're gonna come back. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who, in, who on earth is a Bucks fan in here anyway? Thank you. You you notice there was one team missing, right? Everyone who likes to text me and tell me about how terrible the Chiefs are doing. I haven't heard of the Texans recently either, right? Um, So anyway, (laughs) moving on. Nobody is here. We've been destroying y'all in the playoffs. So uh, the Chiefs and the Buccaneers were in the Super Bowl. And we had, Anna and I knew somebody who had tickets. She she was part of the personnel or was dating someone who was on the personnel of the Chiefs. And and here's what they did. They had 25,000 tickets tickets, and 30,000 cardboard cutouts inside of the stadium. So they had more cardboard cutouts than actual people. In fact, guys, you got that picture? Throw it up there. Okay, so this is, this is, you can't even, it's like, where's Waldo? Where are the real people at, right? Like, you can't even figure out where the real people are, but this was there were 30,000 cutouts and 25,000 people, and when you would watch it on TV, they had sound effects simulating a crowd to make it sound like the place was on fire. In fact, there were people going nuts of like, I can hear how many people are in there. That's a COVID super spreader. No, it's just sound effects from the NFL. They're just m- literally making it up. And Anna's friend would post on her story, and we would be watching the same game. And on the game, it was like, yeah, yeah something great. happened." And inside the stadium, it was silent. It was literally lifeless. Benjamin Hoffman, he's the senior editor of sports for the New York Times, he wrote an article entitled, The Crowd, the Quiet, and the Cutouts, A Strange Year at the Super Bowl. And in it, he describes walking into the stadium when the game was about to start, and he said the eerie silence of it was something he, he's covered nine Super Bowls up until this point. He said he could not wrap his mind around it. And then he said, you would look around and you would see all of these cutouts and there were still 25,000 people there. But he said there was something so eerie. In fact, here's what he said. He said the Super Bowl happened, but the energy and spirit of the day was gone. The game happened but the spirit wasn't there when we talk about going through life and we talk about whether or not we worship or we don't when we are worshiping we are bringing our spirit to life and a life lived without worship is a stadium full of cardboard cutouts you can see it on the outside but it's not right here But when we start worshiping and we start praising the Lord and our heart is right before him and we will physically express our worship and we will build our spirit up in worship. All of the sudden, God begins to move in us in a way that is truly unexplainable. Not everything from God has to be explained, right? He didn't write a book. He sent his son, He didn't write a textbook to read. He sent his son to live and breathe and worship and walk the face of the earth and die for us. And when we understand how worship works within us, it will work to us and it will come through us to strengthen us in a place of victory in the Lord.